And good morning to you, Tucson and all of Southern Arizona. Welcome live out of the Common Workspace Studios. You're listening to Tipping Point with Zach Yenser on AM 1030 KVY, the voice of the in-depth news, conversation, and talk about the people, ideas, and issues shaping Tucson's future. I'm your host, Zach Yenser, and it is a beautiful hump day Wednesday here in Tucson and Southern Arizona. Good morning, Matt Neely. Good morning to all of our listeners. Welcome aboard. Hey, Zach. Good top of the morning to you. Top it's a of the morning. beautiful day out. A little had a few clouds to start off the day, but uh, they burned off, and we got beautiful blue skies up, up above. Absolutely, it's uh, another good day in Tucson, and it's hard to believe it's already Hump Day, considering yesterday was our Monday. So. <laughs> That's right. That's that's the beauty of those uh, of those three day weekends we get every now and again is uh, you know the next week is shorter but I, I'm excited as always to be in studio got got a lot to talk about and I'm looking forward to to the show ahead so right I, um, I mo- today is mostly Matt we'll keep you busy a live line phone hour uh, would love to have you call in five two zero seven nine zero twenty forty and uh, we're going to talk to Ruben Navarrete on the other side of the break. Uh, here at the bottom of the hour. He's the nation's most widely read, syndicated Latino columnist. Uh, always interesting to get his take on issues from his perch in uh, sunny Southern California. Uh, Ruben in the Center is also his podcast, as you can guess. Uh, he uh, he shoots it straight as he sees it down the center. And uh, often, though, uh, it will make uh, folks on the right or left a little antsy, and that's okay. That's what we try to do. That's what should be done. No one should be completely comfortable all the time. If you are listening, by the way, to media, and you are completely comfortable with what you are hearing, you're not listening to all the media you need to listen to. If you are comfortably in your silo only hearing things that confirm your bias and nothing you hear uh, makes you scratch your head, uh, think differently, uh, or think at all, you're in the wrong spot. And I just say that out of love. And so uh, we, we try to, on this show... Uh, bring a little bit of every perspective uh, to to get us out of those boxes and, and think differently uh, about things. Uh, but the call-in portion today, I've got a lot on my mind. I uh, didn't get to it yesterday. I uh, didn't get to preview it on Monday, but uh, the Pima County Board of Supervisors met yesterday, as did the Tucson City Council. And there were a number of items on the Tucson City Council agenda, especially um, that as I watched portions of what was almost an eight-hour collective meeting yesterday, they do a study session, then they do a mayor and council public session. It's all public, but you know what I mean, the general kind of uh, uh, the regular council meeting, if you will. Uh, a couple other things stood out to me as interesting. I thought I would share that with you. I uh, didn't get to watch all uh, all eight hours of the of the meeting, but watched uh, good portions of it and some things that are just interesting to me. So g- give me a call, 520-790-2040. We'll talk about the people, ideas, and issues shaping the future of Tucson and uh, and Southern Arizona. So let's jump in, 520-790-2040. Uh, the, uh, the budget, there's about a three or four month budget process for the city of Tucson. And Matt, I had an aha moment. Uh, I think many of our listeners uh, will go, welcome to the party, Zach. But I had an aha moment. I learned something yesterday that I hadn't really thought of before, that I didn't know before. And it came from the budget presentation by the city manager. It was a 30,000-foot budget presentation. The final budget won't be passed 
uh, until the summer, but we are in budget season. And uh, gotta tell you, some interesting numbers around city sales tax, state shared sales tax, and state shared income tax. The FY22 23 budget revenues for the city of Tucson are projected to grow 9.97% from the FY21 22 adopted budget. Uh, it's going to go up from 590 change million to 600 and almost 50 million um, dollars, bumping right up against the expender, expenditure limitation um, that the City of Tucson voters voted about 10 years ago of what the city can spend in a given year. Uh, we're bumping right up against that, but a 9.97% um, increase. The most significant increase in that revenue. Uh, is from city sales tax, the business privilege tax. That grew 11% from the FY21-22 adopted budget of $258 million roughly to $285 million in the FY22-23 preliminary budget. Now, there's, I think, two things happening here, I'm sure. One is we've certainly seen across the country in cities in Phoenix um, that coming out of the pandemic, People did have more money to spend, and they did spend it. And, uh, and that is filling the, the coffers of the city. And uh, I, I'm going to give Matt a, uh, um, Matt a pop quiz on the uh, – sorry, Matt, that's unplanned – on the second item real quick. But I, I want to go into this first. Um, and that is – I have said on this show many, many times, and I've asked uh, candidates – uh, some of the candidates who are now elected, when they came in here as candidates, we always have a good time. I try to get as many D's and R's and everything in between you want to come on the show on in any given race, in any given year. Uh, and I said, how do we grow Tucson's economy? And I never got an answer that I was happy with. I just have yet to get an answer that I'm happy with. And the answer is not complicated. I'm not looking for an academic answer. In fact, I'm looking for an incredibly simple answer. And I've always, uh, I've always thought that the simple answer is the way that you most directly grow a city or town's budget is to have more people buy more goods and services from more people. In Arizona, that's how it works. Now, there's state-shared sales tax and there's state-shared income tax. These are taxes that are sent up to the state. The state has a formula. They calculate the formula, and then they redistribute back to cities and towns those dollars. And that revenue, by the way, state shared sales tax is projected to go 16.43% from the last year's adopted budget to 60, from 68 to almost $80 million. And the same with state shared income tax. So all three levels of income for the city of Tucson are growing. And I've always said, look, the most basic, but I think also probably most true and most tangible way that a community can grow its assets to solve more problems is to create a scenario through opportunity, through jobs, through education, through upward mobility, where more people are buying more goods and services from more people. Now, there's a lot of other more complicated ways, and there's multiple streams of income. We're not getting into that today. But that is one of the most controllable scenarios that a community has to grow its budget. And I got to tell you, in three, two, three years, whatever it's been of doing a weekday show, I've asked a lot of people how to grow an economy in a city or a town, and I've never gotten an answer that's even close to that at all. And so it's interesting to look at revenue projections, to look at the potential budget the city of Tucson and go, my goodness, 
city city sales tax is growing 11% from year to year. Now, it's not going to happen every year, and I'll get to that in a second. But this is producing, along with other revenue streams, almost a 10% increase from the last year's adopted budget. You know, almost $60 million year to year. This is not ARPA funds. This is not, you know, federal dollars. These are sales, city sales tax and income tax dollars. And I think it just goes to show that our gut feeling, I'm going to say our, let's own this as a, as a, not just me, but y'all have been listening for years to this show. That's how you grow an economy. I have two more segments. You got me for two more segments and I have so much more to talk about. When we come back, uh, it's going to be the Matt Neely pop quiz. I'm going to ask Matt, what is the other reason why city sales tax is going up? I never knew this before. I want to see if Matt knows this. Uh, if it's not people, if it is people buying more stuff, but it's another reason, what's the other reason? I'm going to, uh, if Matt doesn't get it right, sorry, Matt, lots of pressure here this morning. I'm going to tell you what it is. No and why pressure I think whatsoever. No pressure, no pressure. Uh, and if Matt doesn't get it right, I'm going to tell you what the other reason is. It blew my mind. It's important for the future, um, and there's so much more to talk about about this and the county uh, board of supervisors meeting agenda yesterday, and we're still not going to get through all of it, but we'll take our best shot. When we come back, that's where we're going. Tipping Point returns here on 1030 The Voice. I'm your host, Zach Yenser. I'm having fun today. Join the fun, 520-790-2040. Local news and talk. 1030, The Voice. Tucson, your Tucson Museum of Art is pleased to present the Patrick Martinez Look What You Created exhibition and his first solo museum exhibition in the American Southwest. Los Angeles-based artist Patrick Martinez explores sites of personal, civic, and cultural law sustained over recent years in America. Opening just this month through April 24th, you can go see it in the Casser Family Wing of Latin American Art. TucsonMuseumOfArt.org to get your tickets now. Tucson homeowners, do you have equity in your home and would like to sell, but are afraid that you won't be able to find a new place in this market? Well, you're not alone. That's why CNC Partners has put together an innovative way to make your next home dream come true. They work with local investors who can purchase your home for cash, pay above market value, waive the appraisal, and provide you with the option to lease your home back to you for 12 months until you can find a new home in the Tucson market. If you'd like to see what that cash offer might look like with no obligation, go to Tucson Cash Offer. The economy is moving forward, and Arizona businesses are looking at new opportunities and challenges as we emerge from COVID-19. Leading companies are planning how to respond to new business and rebuild their teams and are looking for critical talent now. The right talent in key positions will make all the difference, and having a trusted and dedicated talent acquisition partner will give you an edge. Devin and her team at Talent Store will connect you with top talent while positively impacting time to hire, retention, and your employer brand. Learn more by visiting yourtalentstore.com and schedule time with Devin and her team. 
Why I love where I live. It's a brand and movement that began here in Tucson to spark gratitude and celebrate the good things about where we live. Located in the open air Mercado San Agustin Annex, just west of downtown, it's a great place to shop or spend time with friends as you enjoy food, drink, and other shopping options close by. Find gifts, toys, books, and clothes that will help you celebrate where you live. Visit them at the Annex off the I-10 at Cushing and Avenida del Convento. In 1994, the University of Arizona took the bold step of acquiring an industrial park in southeastern Pima County and transforming it into a university research park. With over 25 years of success, Tech Parks Arizona continues to advance innovation. Whether it's the nearly 60 startups at the University of Arizona Center for Innovation or the new Tech Park at the Bridges currently under construction, they are integral in shaping the future of Southern Arizona. Tech Parks Arizona, moving innovation at the speed of business. When you manage your money with a credit union, you're taking true ownership of your finances and how your money impacts the community. Stop letting banking just happen to you. Bring your money home to Vantage West. Federally insured by NCUA. Hi, this is Tom Sullivan. Join me weeknights from 7 to 10 for the Tom Sullivan Show on 1030 KVOI, The Voice. And we're back, Tucson, and all of Southern Arizona. I'm your host, Zach Yenser. You're listening to Tipping Point here on AM 1030 KVOI, The Voice, on this hump day, Wednesday. You made it. We are here. It's a live call-in show, 520-790-2040. Give us a call. This segment is sponsored by Little Love Burger. They opened downtown last fall, and I'm pleased to report they're doing quite well. Little Love Burger serving up the juiciest burgers, loaded hot dogs, have ice cream, milkshakes, local brews. And breakfast sandwiches. You can follow them on social media at Little Love Burger and mention you heard about them here on Tipping Point with Zach Yenser for a 15.15% discount off your next order. Uh, today's show, as much as we can, is debriefing some pieces of uh, the count board, County Board of Supervisors meeting yesterday and the Tucson City Council meeting. Those two happened on the same day. Uh, and so often we will either uh, preview them or debrief them as two very large, the two largest jurisdictions here in uh, in Tucson and Southern Arizona. But we talked about uh, the city manager presenting to the Tucson City Council uh, some of the revenue projections and reports. And the preliminary budget revenues are projected to grow. We, re- we, we said last segment uh, almost 10% from last year's adopted budget, almost $60 million. Uh, dollars increase from 590 million and change to 650 million dollars. Huge increases in city sales tax. Huge increase in state shared sales tax. Huge increase in state shared income tax. And many cities are seeing this around the country. Um, certainly, they did last year as different federal funds came in and people spent those dollars. But here is the Matt Neely pop quiz, and it is truly a pop quiz because I'm just uh, springing this on Matt. Uh, what is the other reason why city sales tax, uh, the revenue from that might be growing from last budget year? Well, uh, tourism is making a comeback, so that may be yep. part of it. And yep. uh, they're selling a lot of cars because all the car lots are now empty. So yep. they're selling a lot of big ticket items. And uh, those are those are my two. And maybe uh, pass through stuff from Amazon, right? That's mm-hmm. that's uh, that's uh, increased operations over the last couple of years. So that's the, that's mm-hmm. my uh, that's my mm-hmm. answer for you. 
Yeah, and I think all those are true. And I think it all relates to that to that uh, you know first item of people are spending dollars. But Matt, this kind of this was an aha moment for me. Here's the other reason, and it was mentioned yesterday. Uh, it's a reason uh, why there is cautious optimism and why there's kind of a bubble expected. And I actually had a listener message in too, and they got it. Ready for this, Matt? Inflation. Sure. Yep. And and what's interesting to me, right, is if... 6% of a, or, or 9% of a bigger number, right? Yep. Yeah. Yeah. And again, I don't know what percentage of this increase is that, and I'm not saying it's one-to-one, but I had never thought before of this idea that if you as a citizen are spending more on a pizza, that that city sales tax percentage, what goes to the city is going to be higher because you're paying more for the good. You're paying more for the service. That I, I, I didn't make that connection before. Uh, and it's interesting. Wages went up too, right? By, by force of law. Well, and this is also, I mean, impacted too in the expenditure side for the city as wages have gone up. Um, and so it's interesting where you can see that wages have gone up, but I, I think the real wages have gone down. What is it, Matt? Now two, three, four percent, um, where the purchasing power of those wage increases is less now than it was before um, because of inflation. And on the citizen level, uh, you can be experiencing the negative impacts of inflation, uh, but the dollars that go into local governments uh, can, goes up. Which is really interesting to me uh, that those 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 two pieces people are spending more money, um, and we are seeing an uptick in those things. But there's also this inflationary impact where a higher percentage of goods and services through the city sales tax uh, is 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 going is going is going to go up, and this leads me to a couple other items that stood out to me on the City of Tucson's agenda specifically. We'll try to get to a county item um, if, we, if we can get to it. Uh, but there was a presentation on poverty um, in the community. Um, and they talked about those who are uh, ALICE, an acronym. I think it's um, Asset Limited Income Constrained, um, and then E is something related to a person who is working. And how there is a growing population of people who are having a much harder time getting by in this community. And the areas that have been struggling with poverty in the South and the West, especially of this community, Tucson specifically, have been experiencing increases um, in, in crime, in, increases in poverty, lowering uh, educational attainment, lowering economic mobility. And that has gotten worse over the last 10 years. And, and th- there is a growing pie of people who are, um, who are impoverished. And the result, one of the results, the, the person presenting this yesterday said, we need to have a study, an impact study, and we need to have a working group to figure this out. And I just sat there scratching my head and I go, we don't need any of that. Uh, I think we frankly know, and it gets back to even this conversation, we know what allows people to have upward mobility? We need to have a broader base of jobs. Uh, we need to have uh, a better affordable housing. And that could be affordable in the actual word or attainable housing. We need to have housing that is affordable. 
We need to focus on those things. Those things help families rise. But as more people have more uh, uh, economic power as a family to buy more goods and services in a community, that grows a budget sustainably long term. I think uh, that this 10% increase from budget year to budget year is a bubble. In other words, and this is what the city is thinking too, this is of no surprise to anyone, uh, that this is probably going to go back to 2 or 3% increase next year. And I think we should all hope that inflation goes away in a year. I don't know if it will. Uh, I think the economic pain from inflation uh, is going to be a two or three year run. It is not transitory. Uh, it never has been. And it's going to stick around for a while. But the way that you sustain more resources to solve more problems uh, is to uh, create more opportunity and to create affordability. Which brings me to another item on the agenda on the agenda yesterday. Let me let me pull this up. The uh, mayor and council uh, met. There was no official action, but they met. My understanding is a pu- it was a public meeting to amend the city of Tucson Unified Development Code to require new multifamily and commercial development to have electric vehicle charging infrastructure and provide incentives for additional infrastructure beyond minimum standards. Now, Arizona has a booming EV economy, electric vehicle economy. Uh, That is the future for many, many people. Not everybody, uh, but that is where this community is going. Look at at electric vehicles 10 years ago. They were little things you wouldn't want to take on the highway, and now we've got massive trucks that are electric vehicles. I mean, it's going to democratize to anybody who wants it over the next few years. However, you would be amazed to see the numbers, and I've seen them. Um, of every few hundred dollars added to the cost of developing housing, you price out literally hundreds to thousands of people from buying that house. We are in this housing market where those little tweaks and additions have a massive impact. And so in often the same spaces of conversations, we'll talk about how do we help those who are a few hundred dollars away from the poverty line, right? Not abject poverty, but those who are struggling in this community who do not have the ability to uh, input economically back into the community what would make us all thrive, they are struggling, so the city struggles. We, we outrank and we out, you know, out, uh, outpace the, the, the state and the nation on our poverty. We talk about how do we help elevate people, and we, we talk about studies, and we talk about working groups, and then in the same space, we will make it harder uh, to make housing affordable, and will make it harder to create new jobs. The, the, the two major recipes to upward mobility in this country, other than education, in the same breath, we will say we need to fix that, and then we will often do things in our urban environments that make it harder to make it happen. And that impacts the budget. Do you see how this is all connected? The dots are connecting for me, and they should be connecting for everybody, and I'm not sure that they are. <laughs> But really fascinating stuff. Um, we, we, we keep making housing, jobs, and quality of life harder and more difficult and then wonder how we get to a point in this community where poverty and lack is so entrenched and we don't even see it. We'll be right back. More to go here on Tipping Point. I'm your host, Zach Yenser. You're listening to Tipping Point on 1030 The Voice. We come back. One more quick segment from me. The last segment for your phone call is 520-790-2040. And then Ruben Navarrete will be on to talk about his view on some national issues. 
He's the most widely read Latino syndicated columnist in the country. We get his views on national stuff. We'll be right back. Don't go anywhere. Tucson, your Tucson Museum of Art is pleased to present the Patrick Martinez Look What You Created exhibition and his first solo museum exhibition in the American Southwest. Los Angeles-based artist Patrick Martinez explores sites of personal, civic, and cultural loss sustained over recent years in America. Opening just this month through April 24th, you can go see it in the Casser family wing of Latin American art. TucsonMuseumOfArt.org to get your tickets now. The economy is moving forward, and Arizona businesses are looking at new opportunities and challenges as we emerge from COVID-19. Leading companies are planning how to respond to new business and rebuild their teams and are looking for critical talent now. The right talent in key positions will make all the difference, and having a trusted and dedicated talent acquisition partner will give you an edge. Devin and her team at Talent Store will connect you with top talent while positively impacting time to hire, retention, and your employer brand. Learn more by visiting yourtalentstore.com and schedule time with Devin and her team. Tucson homeowners, do you have equity in your home and would like to sell but are afraid that you won't be able to find a new place in this market? Well, you're not alone. That's why CNC Partners has put together an innovative way to make your next home dream come true. They work with local investors who can purchase your home for cash, pay above market value, waive the appraisal, and provide you with the option to lease your home back to you for 12 months until you can find a new home in the Tucson market. If you'd like to see what that cash offer might look like with no obligation, go to Tucson Cash offer.com. When you manage your money with a credit union, you're taking true ownership of your finances and how your money impacts the community. Stop letting banking just happen to you. Bring your money home to Vantage West. Federally insured by NCUA. Helping you make better money decisions is what the Ramsey Show is all about. Today at 1 p.m. on 1030 The Voice. Back to Sun and all of Southern Arizona. Good morning. If you're just joining us, you're listening to Tipping Point with me, your host, Zach Yenser, here live out of the Common Workspace Studios on 1030 The Voice. This segment is sponsored by Little Love Burger. They opened downtown last fall, uh, and they're sort of the juiciest burgers, loaded hot dogs, some ice cream milkshakes, local brews, and breakfast sandwiches. You can follow them on social media at Little Love Burger and mention you heard about them here on Tipping Point with Zach Yenser for a 15-1-5% discount off your next order. Uh, we've been spending the day so far. It's an open phone line hour. If you want to call in, we're going to close those in a little bit. Uh, Ruben Navarrete is going to be with us, and that's always a fast-paced conversation. He's a nationally syndicated uh, columnist. His podcast is Ruben in the Center. We talk national issues with him. But we've been debriefing the uh, city council and Pima County uh, meetings that happened yesterday. They've been happening together, and so it's always a lot to cover there. And uh, talked about some of the dynamics around the budget that is being uh, that is being projected. And I want to move on to the county uh, soon here for a quick minute. Um, But another interesting item that came out yesterday, and I think it pertains to Proposition 411, uh, which is the continuation of the half-cent sales tax over an extended period of time, 10 years instead of five, um, to raise about $700 million to uh, – the the goal is to touch every neighborhood road in 10 years. What was interesting is that another bond um, was passed by – the city of Tucson voters a couple years ago called Prop 407. 
and both the city manager and the mayor yesterday indicated that a number of those parks and it's called a Parks and Connections Bond, the Parks and Connections Bond, uh, p- some of those projects are seeing a reduction in budget and are seeing uh, delays because of inflation and construction costs. And I think it's interesting um, that we feel the impacts of those two things when, when costs start spinning out of control. We feel those things locally, right? And I've been saying on this show um, for a, a couple of years that I think over the last couple of years we've been having these macro conversations uh, things like modern monetary theory or how much can the government spend or whatever the case may be and we have been questioning economic principles which is fine I mean everything should be questioned um, but I think we are living in a living laboratory um, that shows that um, when supply and demand at its most basic level cannot be paired, demand is short-term, supply is long-term. That's the rub. One happens faster than the other, and it's harder to keep up supply than it is demand. When you infuse this much demand in and costs go up and supply chains start to shift, um, we can talk about what that looks like for Congress. We can talk about you know, what that looks like in the Oval Office. But I can tell you what it looks like in the Merritt Council Chambers yesterday when there was news that things that were promised to the voters uh, are seeing hiccups because the costs are too dang high. Now, because of inflation and also dollars being spent in our community, there's enough of a surplus where uh, the City Council can kind of uh, basically move some dollars over the Prop 407 pot and keep those things going. That's a good thing. But it's interesting to hear, wait a second, you know, this all impacts us locally, right? It's all philosophical. It's all theoretical until you feel it and see it in a P&L in your business and in your community. That's the great equalizer to all this national conversation that we keep having. You will know the answer to your questions. You will know the impact of your policy by talking to your neighbor and your mayor. And I love that. I think it's great. I say that as a good thing. I think that's awesome. I think that's why we have a federalized country that has worked the way it has and I hope continues to work in the years to come. So I thought that would be uh, interesting to mention. Let me just leave out on this because I've got two minutes to go. Um, but uh, another piece that was written, a follow-up piece written by Tim Steller in the Daily Star Um, that I thought was interesting as he was sitting in. I know he was there yesterday listening to the questioning of now County Administrator Jan Lesher about what happened to allow uh, former Administrator Chuck Huckleberry to retire and pull his benefits in the way he did when he did. Um, And we covered that with Supervisor Steve Christie last week. I won't get into it. I don't have time. Um, uh, but, But I think Tim Stiller did a good job in summarizing where things are at. There's no appetite to pursue this further uh, in terms of the majority of the board. Uh, 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 Administrator Jan Lesher, um, I think, is going to do a good job. Uh, I like her personally. Um, you know, her contract is a bit of a stripped-down version of what uh, Huckleberry's was. She's happy with that. Um, and, you know, uh, my only thing was I thought that w- the questions that were asked yesterday 
should have been asked before a formal hire because I think that was the process. Because what we're talking about is good governance here of making sure that the people of Pima County have full faith and trust in their government institutions. But there's no appetite to pursue this further. Um, the legality of how uh, Administrator Huckleberry went out was legal. Um, but the process, there is, I think, a sour taste in most people's mouths. Um, and, and I was talking to a friend yesterday. There's, there's not really anyone who's lukewarm on County Administrator Chuck Huckleberry. There's just not. Right? And I'm just saying facts. This is not my opinion. These are just the facts. You either have, I have found, a deep appreciation for what uh, some of the things he did and how he did it. And he was a skilled, uh, uh, he was a skilled war general in a lot of things that he did and his maneuvers. And then there are people who just really don't like his guts. And I have not found many people um, in between. But I think by and large, even people who over the last number of decades have a deep appreciation for what he did and how he did it, and that's their point of view, I think they have a sour taste in their mouth as well. There was something that, that wasn't right um, about how this went down. It was legal, right? All of the staff who are asked to keep financial information confidential did their job. Um, but that accountability between the people and the supervisors and the staff wasn't there in the way it needed to be. And I don't think that there's anything that will unsour that at all. Now, I don't think that it's going to sour Administrator Lesher's administration. Uh, I think people are going to move on. People want to move on. Supervisor Christie asked the questions yesterday that need to be asked. This is done for all intents and purposes. Um, but there's something unsettling about this all. And politics is perception. And good governance is important, not just for good governance, but for full faith and trust. That staff, administration, and political electeds um, are connected and communicative and doing the job of fulfilling their promises. And I think this will be ultimately a symbolic representation of uh, what has been a growing lack of trust by people in Pima County that those things are happening. So uh, this is done. The questions have been asked. The only further answers are going to be from County Administrator Chuck Huckleberry. There's a new chapter in Pima County. This is over. Um, but I think the perception is not. And that's a shame. And I think it needs to be reckoned with. Let's go to our final break of the hour. When we come back, we're going to talk with Ruben Navarrete, the most widely read Latino columnist in the country, syndicated across many publications you know. We'll talk some national issues from his perspective from sunny California. You don't want to miss it. Tune in. 10-3, The Voice at 9. We'll be right back after a visit to some of our great sponsors. The Voice, Tucson's trusted local news and talk. 
Zach Yenser here, host of Tipping Point, and I want to tell you that Decibel Coffee Works is the coffee we drink at home and while we're out and about. Run by a great local team of people who care about the Tucson community, you'll find a variety of great coffee drinks, beans, pastries, and more. There's also a rumor ice cream is on its way in 2022. To see their full menu and varieties of roasted beans from around the world, visit DecibelCoffeeWorks.com and visit them at 267 South Avenida del Convento. Mention you heard about them on Tipping Point with Zach Yenser for 10% off your next order on anything you buy. Zach Yenzo here, and I'm so excited to be a part of the launch of the Little Love Burger as they're growing in Tucson. Located just a few hours down from the Rialto Theater, Little Love Burger serves up the juiciest scratch-made hamburgers, loaded hot dogs, have ice cream milkshakes, lovable local brews, and the most addictive breakfast sandwiches. Little Love Burger is open Sunday through Thursday, 11 to 9, and Friday and Saturday, 11 to 10. You can follow their beat on Instagram and Facebook at Little Love Burger Tucson. Don't you want some burger to love? In 1994, the University of Arizona took the bold step of acquiring an industrial park in southeastern Pima County and transforming it into a university research park. With over 25 years of success, Tech Parks Arizona continues to advance innovation. Whether it's the nearly 60 startups at the University of Arizona Center for Innovation or the new Tech Park at the Bridges currently under construction, they are integral in shaping the future of Southern Arizona. Tech Parks Arizona, moving innovation at the speed of business. Did you know that Arizona is the first state in the country to implement a program like Earn to Learn has right here to support students with matched college savings? Through your investment, you enable students to leverage their own savings and resources to acquire the life-changing asset of a college education. If you want to be a part of increasing students' earning potential, minimizing student debt, closing the opportunity gap, and putting deserving individuals on a path to success, go to earntolearn.org to find out more. We have exciting news to share here at Impact of Southern Arizona. We have expanded our food bank into a grocery shopping style experience where over 500 families a month come in for food, clothing, and support. Now, Impact needs you. Can you or your business put on a food drive for food and hygiene items that others would normally go without? Learn more and contact us at www.impactsoaz.org. This is Bill Buckmaster, Travel Talk with Ryan Hansen at noon on 1030, Tucson's Voice for Trusted News Talk. And we're back, Tucson, and all of Southern Arizona. Good morning to you. We are live out of the Common Workspace Studios here on AM 1030 KVOI, The Voice. We've been talking very local issues, uh, debriefing two big local jurisdictions, making many big decisions yesterday. But we are now turning our attention very much national as we do under the guidance of Ruben Navarrete, the most widely read Latino columnist in the country, host of Ruben in the Center. You've seen him over the years on CNN and Fox and Washington Post, Daily Beast, and more. Uh, always good to have Ruben on with us. Ruben, good morning, and thanks for uh, coming on Tipping Point on this Hump Day Wednesday. Zach, great to be back with you. Thank you. So I wanted to get your thoughts because I know you're in this headspace quite a bit. You know, we had a Republican candidate for governor on the show yesterday. Uh, we talked a lot about the border uh, and yeah. Title 42. And last week, um, I, uh, lo- I, I I walked our listeners through a piece that I think was in the Wall Street Journal that actually looks about 100 years ago. 100 years ago, the Republican Party 
uh, looked a lot like the Republican Party of today. There was uh, an America First plank. There was more protectionism. There was a pause on immigration. The other day, you took a look back at what a Reagan administration might look like today and how uh, Reagan might uh, deal with some of Uh the issues Republicans today are looking to deal with and Democrats, but you focus on the Republican Party. Um, And and this immigration thing is just getting more gnarly by by the second, and the solutions seem so clear in in what could be done to expand legal opportunities and to create more border security. Just no one seems to do it. What What would President Reagan think of some of the dialogue today yeah. around immigration. President Reagan would be absolutely terrified and disgusted by what had become of his beloved Republican Party. Uh, Reagan, who I, I remind you in 1984, won 49 out of 50 states. Never been done before, probably won't be done again in our lifetime. Um, he didn't really need lectures from anybody, any minor leaguer like Ron DeSantis or Greg Abbott uh, or Doug Ducey about how to win elections. He won 49 out of 50 states. He won 40% of the Latino vote against Walter Mondale. When you take 40% of the Latino vote from the Democrat, the Democrat is like a turtle on his back. He's never going to win that election. Reagan dominated that election. And he signed in 1986 a bill called IRCA, the Immigration Reform and Control Act, that legalized nearly 3 million people who were in the country illegally. Today they'd call that amnesty. Back then, they called it amnesty, and Reagan embraced it. Reagan was pro-immigration, pro-NATO, uh, anti-Soviet Union and Russia, uh, pro-free trade. Uh, this is not a Donald Trump candidate. He would not be welcomed in the current Republican Party, the guy who won 49 states. He couldn't get elected in the current Republican Party. He would be a gas that uh, we had blown up our relationships with Europe before Joe Biden came along to try to repair them. He would be horrified that there was a conversation about pulling out of NATO. Uh, he'd be horrified that uh, that Republicans like lapdogs around uh, someone like Donald Trump, who's called Vladimir Putin a genius. Uh, <laughs> Ronald Reagan would be disgusted and horrified at what's, at what's become of his party, as I said. Uh, and Reagan had it right, particularly with immigration. Reagan understood that when you're bringing refugees, Zach, whether you're co- bringing Jewish refugees in the 1930s, or Cuban refugees in the 50s and 60s, or Vietnamese and Hmong refugees in the 70s and 80s, you're getting the best that these countries have to offer. You're not getting the trash, the refuge. You're not getting the throwaways. Uh, you're, you're getting the absolute best, people with initiative and drive who are going to come here and build new lives and help build the country. And that, that's true today of Ukrainians who are coming across the border, but it's also true of dark-skinned Guatemalans and Hondurans who are coming across the border. And the predicament that Republicans are having, Democrats have it too, but Republicans certainly, is they want to bring in the Ukrainians because they have light skin and they're European, but they want to keep out the Guatemalans and the dark-skinned and the, and the Haitians. Uh, so there's racism is alive and well, not just in the state of Arizona, a state that could write a book on the subject, uh, but also around the country. Uh, and it's, it's showing up in our refugee policy. So yeah, Reagan would, would not have a home in the current Republican Party. He wrote a piece uh, called The Legacy of Reagan Still Looms Large. Uh, the Republican Party, it's the Republican Party that got smaller. And it just uh, it just piqued my interest. And we'll talk about the, the Democratic side of this in a second. And their, uh, yeah. their hands are not clean, so to speak, either. And I no, think you no and better, I which are approached no, no better. 
approach yeah. this issue very much, very much from the center. But pragmatically, you know, I was, like I said, I was mentioning, I was talking with a gubernatorial candidate yesterday about uh, about Title Forty Two, and what's interesting is that we have seen a twenty-year high uh, over the last year of apprehensions along the border. And there's two factors that I think are interesting. I'd love your thoughts. One of them is 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 Title Forty Two basically shortens the apprehension process, but by doing that, uh, and but, so then by allowing for them to return to the border, by doing that, it actually allows for in some cases multiple crossings a day, and so those are not individual apprehension numbers; those are often repeat numbers. And so I think Title Forty Two, uh, its its season is ending. Um, but it's not today. I think that, that President Joe Biden and the Democrats have not done enough federally um, to put enough resources into border communities to make an end of Title 42 ready today, which is Democratic Senator Mark Kelly's point. But the other thing I wanted to mention, I want to get your thoughts on this piece, Ruben, um, is that we've talked about uh, also uh, President George Bush. He got 40 percent of the uh, Latino and Hispanic vote. When he ran for president, he was a Republican who really was trying to be intentional at the, in the beginning, at least of his administration, to tackle this issue. But whereas we had single young men at one point in our immigration history, we are seeing younger families and younger children as being uh, dominant crossers of the border. I think it's a completely different immigration situation than it may have been 20, 30, 40 years ago. Your thoughts, Ruben? Yes, it is very different, and it's also different because the, co- the category of other than Mexican, the OTM, has gotten so much bigger now. Um, the figure I saw was something like up to 40%, almost 50% of the people coming across the border now are not uh, from Mexico. Uh, right. And in fact, oftentimes they're not from Central America. They're coming from all over the world. Things are different, but here's one thing that's the same. The, the one thing that's always been the same, Zach, supply and demand. The, lo- the law of supply and demand. Sitting here in San Diego, I've listened to the debates in Arizona and the gubernatorial debates there. Every single Republican running for governor in the state of Arizona is an idiot. A moron with a learning disability, someone who is not being dishonest, who does not understand or acknowledge the fact that when I lived in Phoenix and in, in, in the, the 90s, clearly Phoenix was doing everything but putting ads in newspapers to bring people from foreign countries and from Mexico in particular to come in and build that metropolis to build what would become the fifth largest city in the country. And the very fact that these Republicans running for governor in Arizona live in such denial that all they do is complain and whine. All of a sudden, Arizona's main export is wine. They make great wine in Arizona. W-H-I-N-E. Okay? Because all they do is complain about the fact that they have hired illegal immigrants to be the domestic helps, to build the buildings, to tar the roofs, to do the laws, to do everything in Arizona for the last 30 or 40 years, as if Arizona is saying to Mexico with a gun to its own head, stop me before I hire again. Stop me before I hire again. And all of a sudden they're concerned these immigrants and refugees are coming to Phoenix and Arizona because they know the way. Because their aunt came 10 years ago and she's been cleaning your house. Her, the aunt of the refugee for Guatemala has been cleaning your house for 10 years. Okay doing your chores because your kid's not worth a damn because your kids you were you didn't raise your kids to do their own chores and to have an after-school job so arizonans are addicted to immigrant labor it's immigration that built that arizona economy that the arizonans are so proud of 
And now they're mystified that people are finding their way to Arizona to join their aunt. So the, I can only conclude that the people running for governor, those Republicans, are idiots or liars or both. Ruben, I think the other thing that's different as well is the cartel involvement. I think you and I spoke about this recently, um, that Title 42 um, has also been a magnet for cartel activity, which is a newer, and by newer, probably, what, five, ten years new to this whole equation as we compare, you know, immigration since, the, say, the 60s. Um, uh, you know, what's what's interesting to me, and I, I'm a novice on this issue, I'm exploring it as you and I have, um, have conversation, uh, but we saw much less uh, immigration and apprehensions uh, with the um, Remain in Mexico policy or the migrant protection uh, protocols under the Trump administration. I mean, the numbers since 2017, 2018 have just been enormous in terms of those crossing the border, especially during the Biden administration. And it seems to me as well that the Democratic Party is not seeing this issue for what it is either and is not understanding the border security and the and the legal means that need to be expanded that we see here on on the borderlands i'm not sure that either party is uh, in the clear on this and issue again, though, and again the reason that people on the quote borderlands see this issue so carefully and clearly is because they have undocumented immigrants in their house cleaning their house raising their kids wiping their kids noses cooking their food for them same thing in Texas. The reason Texas and Arizona understand this issue so well is because you're living with undocumented immigrants. That's why. The people in West Virginia don't get it. The unemployment rate rate in West Virginia is 25% most of the time, right? That's what it was during the Great Recession, the Great Depression. Undocumented immigrants go to where the jobs are. They're going to Phoenix and Tucson to get jobs. They're not going to West Virginia. There's no jobs in West Virginia. So understand that everything that the Arizonans bitch about is a self-inflicted wound. It's a self-inflicted wound. So I don't buy this notion that somehow people in the Southwest are smarter on immigration because they live on the border. No, you're smarter about immigration because you're guilty. You're, you're the accomplice. You're the hirer. You're the, the employer. Uh, in violation of the law, in violation of IRCA, you're hiring these people. To your point about the cartels, quickly, Zach, here's what you and I talked about before. It's a simple rule. If you make it harder to come to the United States, it makes you feel better. And it may help you get elected as a Republican governor of a state, but it drives up the prices that the cartels can charge. Every time we fortify the border, Operation Gatekeeper, the cartels raise their prices. We spent money under the Secure Fence Act, under Obama, the, the cartels raise their prices. Uh, Donald Trump closed down the border. Uh, the cartels raise their prices. If you pull, uh, remove Title 42, it becomes easier to come to the U.S. The cartels have to drop their prices. It's simple. We understand this notion in terms of drugs. For some reason, when we talk about drugs, we understand that if you legalize drugs, it hurts drug profits for the cartels. The same principle applies to labor. This is why we can't get a handle on this, pro uh, this problem, Zach. Every time we zap the cartels, we make them stronger. Every time we build something and build a wall, we make them stronger because they can charge more money. It used to cost 500 bucks to come across the border into Douglas. Now it costs 5000 so you're never going to defeat an enemy like that. And that's, that's it. We have, the, the cartels should be grateful to the Republican Party. The Republican Party built the Mexican drug cartels. With well help from the Democratic Party as well, by the way. 
we will put an opinion in it there for now. Obviously, Ruben, fired up, you're fired up about uh, about this issue, and you cover it quite a bit uh, in your articles and on your podcast. Where can people go and find you uh, here as we close to, to read further? You will find me, Zach, you will find me suffering no fools at RubenOutReset.com, uh, at the Daily Beast and elsewhere. Just follow the smoke and the arrows coming at me from both sides. Ruben Navrete, thank you as always. Uh, we'll chat soon. Thank you, Zach. Tucson, that does it for us here on the show. Hugh Hewitt's up next, Bill Buckmaster at noon. We'll see you tomorrow, Thursday. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening.